Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Ah, welcome. Is that what you do? That's what I do. Give voice to, uh... Tell you... Yeah, well, liberty gives all these different meaning. Really, no, it's a catchphrase. Yeah. I'm trying to give voice to liberty. Well, that's why it turns down like a turntable. It's like, yeah, it's a little warped. It's a little warped. And, uh... Well, that's the voice of our boss, folks. The owner. He's a good guy, too. Woo! No, it's I wanted to bring this up you got, immediately. You got a little soul going on there, babe. Oh yeah, this is uh, I found it on a playlist called Plastic Soul. It's all soul artists covering Beatles music. Really? Yeah. So this is Al Green doing "I Want to Hold Your Hand." Turn my headphones up. All right. You know I have no hearing left. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm almost there. I played too much electric guitar in college. Right into headphones. I've been doing radio too long. There it is. Been doing radio way too long. Well, I've got one guy I work with that yells into the microphone occasionally. Who would that be, Greg? Yeah, I think it would be Greg. Greg. Dan does it on occasion, not in the same way Greg does, though. And you get to see it all. Oh, I get to see the live performance, the blood vessels popping out of the forehead. Well, just before air, we were talking about we need to put this on video. Yes. I would have to dress a little better. So, Greg... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You'll have to update the sweatpants. Yeah, and the fishing shirts. <laughs> well, you don't see her. We could wear shorts in here. I don't... Well, you could do like TV. You could be dressed from above the waist. Right. And then you could be in shorts, uh, you know, below. Now, this is happening, and I just... I've learned from Greg just to let out what's happening. This has happened the last week since LASIK. Like, when I switch to this side of the desk, my eyes start to water. Really? It's weird. It's happening, so excuse me if it looks like I'm crying over here. Well, I've seen your ratings, so. Oh, thank you. It's weird. It's weird. It's, it's going to be all right. crying. Well, it's, I'm emotional. That's where I, how I get in the women. That's what my, <laughs> <laughs> my brother's girlfriend tells me. You're vulnerable, Joey. Yeah, sure. Sure I am. Now, uh, folks have asked me, what do you do? I'm like, I bring people on and we just have a normal conversation. And, you know, sometimes it's a topical thing. You know, it's economics, uh, like I did last week. I had in Don Murphy from the uh, Air War College talk about China 101. Couldn't find anybody for today? (laughs) No. I wanted to bring you on because, number one, and I've mentioned it on air, is you don't micromanage what we say. No. It's awesome. Like, Greg, as a joke, read out one of the... uh, the applications or the asking for resumes to work at one of the big conglomerates and how micromanage every segment needs to be pre-approved and what type of bid are you going to do i couldn't work that way they have a lot more at stake fair enough they have a lot more at stake that is true you know when you're when you're trying to run a thousand stations yeah. the only way to predict what you're going to do is is to pile on paperwork Right, and uh, you know, I I did that early in my in '96. Uh, you know, I was part of the group that started consolidation right. back in '96, and we figured out right away that you know, if you were going to manage expectations, especially if you're going to go public, and you got to tell the analysts that you're going to be up four percent or three percent, you better be up four or three percent. And the right. only way to do that 
is to get reports from everybody. Get reports, get reports, get reports. And <clears throat> it gets in the way. Well, I'd imagine it kills creativity because I, I think a lot of what I do is I'll crash and burn sometimes, or maybe all the time, mm -hmm. but you learn from that. And then sometimes when you're not even thinking, you're just in the moment, something brilliant comes out, whether it's a funny moment or a heartfelt moment. I feel like when I improvise a lot of what I'm doing, you do a lot of background research, you figure out what are the news items of the day, and then everything behind those news items that isn't topical, and then you kind of go with it. You know what, Joey? I think about this a lot because <clears throat> I read stories all the time about a sports talk host or somebody says something a little bit inappropriate. Sure. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, don't forget, you're walking without a net here. Right. You got a delay, but you're walking without a net. I mean, we're free associating as we talk. And I say, so you make some Asian joke or something. You say something, right. you know, a little off color. And next thing you know, at the big companies, you're fired. It's because so much money. And I've state. thought a lot yeah. about okay, if if Greg said something that got the ire of a, a section of the audience, what would I do? Right. Well, I got to tell you, uh, just because we who we are and we're a local broadcast company, and frankly, you're all pros. You pretty much know where the line is. Right. Oh, absolutely. And we got the delay for the uh, you know. The occasional mess up. Yes, the occasional listener. I have to be careful when I bring comedians up here. Because they're not used to it. And they've been good. But uh, I've had to dump one. So Never swear <laughs> in any room with a microphone. Yes. Whether it's on or off. Yes. You, you never know. But, you know, this. what you all do, what you guys do, is very difficult to do. Hmm. To talk for four hours or talk for an hour, talk for three hours. To, you know, it's easy to go downstairs on, like, KISS and talk for 13 seconds. Right. And be cognizant of what you're doing. And you know the track's coming up. Right. And, and, you, and, and you know what the about. slogan is. And you know, But yeah. here, it's like, I, I, I tell this story all the time, usually at cocktail parties, where people go, I could be on the, I could be a talk host. I could be a great talk host. Right. I say, you really could? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. And I, I get my watch, which has a you know a, a stopwatch on it. And I go, okay, give me uh, five minutes on ta on healthcare. Start now. Three, two, one. And I click the watch. And they go, what? I go, no. I said, no, no. You give me three minutes on healthcare. Go. Wow. And well, I learned that from Mike Rowe. When Mike Rowe was getting started, he got a job at H Home Shopping Network, and the interview was this. It was a very simple interview. It was the guy handed him a pencil and said, give me two minutes. On the pencil? Give me two minutes. Wow. And he did it because he's that good at it. Well, he's fantastic. And he sat down and said, I want to tell you about this pencil. I mean, you may think this is just an ordinary pencil, but there are so many attributes at this. But let me just start with the tip of this pencil. And he did two minutes. Right. And, the guy, and he put it down. The guy said, you're hired. Yeah, and, and that's where you have to be able to free associate. And the reason I do the show in this style is because I think if I just did, here's the news items of the day, I've done that before, it's not challenging. I don't find it to be quite as fun as I think I can have. And like I said, some shows I get done with, I'm like, oh, that, was, that wasn't my best. I tried, it wasn't my best. It doesn't then, matter. Then some shows you get off and you feel it's like a runner's high. Mm -hmm. um, the one word I get from folks is catharsis. Like, uh, wow, it's been an actual conversation 
And what's really weird these days is people are stuck in these phones. I have a policy where I turn this thing over. I don't look at it. I left mine downstairs. And that's awesome. I've had people tell me it's been forever since I've had, a, what is it, after the break, 45-minute conversation with somebody and just looked at them and talked to them. It's a sad kind of commentary on our society, I suppose. Oh, it's uh, a dinner with Andre is a lost art. Right. You just can't sit down and have a dialogue, a conversation. Oh, yeah. But that's what's good about the talk radio station. And and you know what we're not we're not obligated to go anywhere or do anything. I mean, I say all the time that Craig's show in the morning is a show about absolutely nothing. Exactly. <laughs> yet it yet it fills three hours. Well, and I feel weird because uh, I was invited, and it's it's almost I should be really proud, and I am, uh, because I got out of college and I did a degree in political science. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when I hit college, I thought, oh, I get to pick my classes and mold it to exactly what I want. No. It was like, you still have to take all these required courses and things you aren't interested in. And even the courses that you really want to take, you're going to have to take prerequisites. And the course you want's really only taught one semester. Anyway, it kind of killed my Mm -hmm. desire to really perform. So if you all look at my GPA, it's not that great. Mostly because I didn't go to some of those. Yeah. Um, But, you know, advanced political theory, get 100. I'm interested. Sure. So I leave college going, I don't want to work on campaigns. I don't know what I want to do. I did a job interview in Metro Atlanta to be a cold walk-in salesman for new Intuit credit card machines. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. The other one in Birmingham, a walking, talking coupon for Staples Warehouse. It's a small business. And now here you are. And now I kind of fell here, and I realized, okay, I can make something of this. It's sort of what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do something with entertainment expression, whether it's writing. I've always loved improv, uh, improv always loved kind of plays and so this is all of these worlds combined you can be serious you can be silly mm-hmm. and so out of this i'm thinking now six years later i'm invited to this conference where folks want me to come and talk to college kids i'm 29 mm-hmm. about what would you tell yourself when you were that age of a college kid or what would you tell these kids today how to educate or train themselves for your particular industry I'm like, that's a great question. It is a great question. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the panel because it's not just radio people. I'm the one radio guy. Another guy's got a million plus subscribers on YouTube. He's like a science channel, how things work. Um, another is a makeup artist. Another works those master classes they do with like yeah, yeah. Aaron Sorkin or whatever. So it should be a diverse group. But the number one thing that comes to mind for me is, number one, figure out who you are and, and be yourself as much as you can. I think... You can walk the the high wire of I'm the smartest, I'm always right for so long, and then when you fall and the emperor has no clothes, it, the jig is up. Like it, and it looks terrible. But if you are just yourself, pockmarks and all, that's a big deal. And another thing I'd tell folks is show up and be interested. Show up, be on the job. Most of the job is showing up. Yes, but I'll tell you, you know, because in our business. And, you know, we train a lot of people here. You know, we train disc jockeys. You know, and, and the, the hardest thing to get them to do is forget about what they're doing. In other words, talking between records and there's yes. a format and there's an arc that you have to do and this and that. To put that all aside, to get so good at it that you don't even think about it. And just be you. Yeah. And have confidence that you're actually interesting enough that you can hold an audience. 
Well, one thing I saw, it was an interview with Larry David. You know, I mm-hmm. love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Sure. If I, I'm actually aspiring to be the Larry David character. We're just brutally honest, even where people might not like you, but you're honest, so you get in anyway. But in this interview, they asked him, what's the key to comedy? And he said, it's trying to act I was when he started comedy he wanted to be like I'm hanging out with my friends mm-hmm. and we're making the same uh, jokes problem is those people in the audience aren't your friend at least not yet so the trick is coming up to make people feel comfortable and so you can get to that space like you're just hanging out with your buddies having a drink cracking jokes and one thing he learned is if you walk up to the mic and you go all moms are like this Everybody's immediately going to go, well, my mom's not like that. But if you talk about your mother, everybody immediately goes, oh, they start to relate in a Mm -hmm. way. So the more personal, it's weirdly more universal. Well, in this in particular, what you do, what I do downstairs, it's a very intimate medium. Yes. It's a very, when you think about that, there are thousands of people out there. But in reality, many of them are listening alone. It's a very intimate medium. Yes. Much more intimate than television. And that lends, that lends itself to a whole different uh, way of approaching it, where you're talking to somebody. You're not talking to everybody. You're talking to somebody. And that's the hardest thing to communicate to new jocks, new talk hosts. Yeah, talk to, I like to say, talk to your wittiest, smartest friend. Some folks say, you know, play to the common... No, I'm just going to be me and try to think no, about my best friends. Uh, you envision one person. Yeah. You, you, the amalgam of who you're trying to talk to. Yeah. It, now, Greg wanted me to ask this, so I'm going to. What? He talked about how one night he's working at Magic. Yep. And he put on what is witchy woman. And locked himself out and of the radio And locked himself station. out. And he said, you handled it pretty well. You didn't yell at him. You kind of were like, all right, we'll get the engineer there. Has this ever happened to you? Oh, many times. <laughs> Don't forget, I came up in the 70s. Mm. I was doing rock radio in the 70s. And this is before computers. This is before cell phones. This is before, uh, barely cable. HBO, you, have, you just have to steal it off the air. I mean, this was, we were in the back ages of media. And I, was, and I was an FM disc jockey and everything that went along with that on a rock station. And, uh, yeah, we used to... <laughs> and by the way, nobody took FM seriously back then either. We were like right. the bastard stepchild of of the big AM stations. Right. You know, the big the big BAM was the station, not the FM thing. And yeah, I know I locked myself out. I could tell you stories on more than one occasion. Well, and it's always I'd imagine too. I was just telling Greg this today that. I can imagine I'm doing it. I could be a talk host. I could work on talk radio. Done it for five years. I can't imagine managing them. Like you've probably have done throughout your career. You have done. Managing you guys? N- maybe us, but I'm thinking like this, especially in the salad days. Like there's a lot of ego and narcissism, I think, that comes with anybody who talks for a living. Um, at least a smidge of it. And I can't imagine managing those folks. And I guess my question is, have you... Is there any stunt a host has pulled that really comes to mind where you're like, how am I going to deal with this guy? No. <laughs> no, no. No, you know what? Especially, I was in Miami. There was Miami. It's top ten market. So even though we were all a bunch of stoners, subculture, right. you know, renegades, it was us against the establishment, uh, we knew it was, a, it was a big deal. It was a big market. 
And you know what? In in 14 years here, I haven't had to do, I haven't had to do anything right with anybody. I mean, my way my way of managing is really simple: find the best people you can find, the best professionals, the most the smartest people. Let them do their job. Let them do it. When I've learned also to grow. I, you know, a, uh... early on, I told Greg to stop with the fart noises and <laughs> and the belches and the and you know the you know, no really we had slam oh yeah. bang up slam out fights over stop with the burps stop with the fart noises stop it's not Montgomery stop you don't understand this audience yet early ask him it's true right. early on and then of course he finally got it. Well, I'm, I'm remembering, and this is maybe a, a story where it's like, listen to, what is it, the old Alice? Oh, yeah. Where the dog gets it? Oh, that was my idea, actually. <laughs> I stole it from a, roll, a Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. Yeah, where I, that was my dog, by the way. That was my dog. The, the, what, what, we're, what we're talking about is a, is a billboard campaign. Yeah. And I had my puppy, which was a puggle, little cute little puggle, looked like a you know beagle pug mix. Yeah. And I had and I the original version of it was listener the dog gets it and it wasn't a finger it was a gun. Right. Which is what the Rolling Stone cover was, and we looked at the mock-up and said. You know, this is maybe, uh, let, let's just use the finger instead. So the right. finger gun, mm -hmm. we still got complaints about it. My we still goodness. Got, it was just edgy, that's all. It was edgy. See, and maybe I'm, I'm born and raised in Montgomery, but I still get people ask me, where are you from? Like, here. Because I hear that idea with the gun, I think it's hilarious. So I kind of have to but regulate. You're not my, normal. I'm not no, normal. No. I'm I'm a strange person. I admit it. <laughs> I've, I've you know I've been through a lot, um, and I am learning because you do get impatient. That there are a lot of people out there, and I'm really looking in the mirror saying this, who want the success or want the stuff or whatever it is without the struggle, without suffering and fighting for it. Or there are people who just struggle and suffer and woe is me and they're not they don't have much of a direction. Or I think if you can bring the two together, you find necessary pain in life that, you know, gets you some reward later on, it's worth it. And if you just get something handed to you, you're not gonna appreciate it. You probably will squander it. Well nobody gets anything handed to them anymore. Right. Unless you're a rich kid, you know, from a rich family, you got to work for it. You know, in this business, you're going to start putting up posters and billboards and driving the van and, you know, hauling the dead chairs out of the studio and which is like an everyday occurrence. And <laughs> and you know, you could and, and and my, you know, you're talking about what you would say to these these kids that right. want to get in the business. Learn everything you possibly can about all of it. Yes. Learn everything you can. Learn Make yourself everything. indispensable. <laughs> Sales, engineering, programming, promotion, all of it. Try to learn all of it. Well, and I really did. I was stuck in my own head for a while doing this for two, three years. I was like, it's all about the politics. It's all about, and it is about the stories. At the end of the day, I think it is about the content and the stories. But I have started to learn the business. Mm -hmm. This is a business. And it is a business. <laughs> and it's actually not the business most people think it is. Right. It's an advertising business. Well, that's what made me laugh. I'm sure you saw the Orrin Hatch exchange with Mark Zuckerberg. He said, oh, Mr. Zuckerberg. He wasn't as bad as Leahy, who I think is like 500 years old. Yeah. <laughs> but Mr. Zuckerberg, you said there's always going to be a free version of Facebook. Uh, yes, sir. There will always be a free version of Facebook. Well, if it's always going to be a free version, how do you make money? We sell advertising. <laughs> it's like, where have you been, Orrin? 
And people have this vision of what we do, and then you look at the internet, how are they making money? It's simple. You connect people. You have certain interests. Now this person has a product. All right. Uh, we're we make it meet. You know, if you want to break, we could talk about this for a, a long time. we got about five minutes here. All right. Well, we just got into, you know, we're starting to do digital marketing, not selling digital marketing. Now that we understand more about it, we can go out to our clients, not only and say we should buy radio because radio is number one reach medium and all that. Oh, yes. But if you want to target specific people, we can show you how to geofence and target word and target search. And and the thing that became uh, instantly uh, concerning to me is how much data we have about everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Google and all these companies, how much data they have on all of us. It's oh. unbelievable. And sometimes it's convenient. It's like, oh, thank you for that targeted ad on new boots. I have a hole in my boot. How do they know that? I guess oh, I well, Alexa's been it. listening to you. That's how Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that the Alexa thing's a whole other... I've, oh, I'm I, not have, gonna, I have Alexas. Yeah? Yeah, I got nothing to hide at this point. <laughs> you know, NSA or somebody wants to listen to me, it's going to be the most boring day they ever heard. That's how I've actually treated it. If somebody wants, what is it, dox me, you know, yeah. put out everything I've ever done on the internet, it's like... What did you think you were going to find? I've been single most of my life, <laughs> you weirdos. Like, why are you looking into my history? Yeah, that's kind of how you have to approach it, I think, in this day and age. is like, maybe not shameless. Is, shameless is the wrong word, but you know, like, this is who I am. But we're talking about why it's all free. Yes. It's all free because they're harvesting everything about us. Yes. And then they're selling it to people to put ads in front of you. Yeah, no, I mean it. There's this one boot place they keep putting in front of me. I'm like, I can't afford $250 boots. Stop it. Oh, God forbid you should ever type Hawaii or something. <laughs> because that's, well, that's a search algorithm. It's called, you know, uh, search uh, marketing. And as soon as you do that, they've got you. Because they know your IP address, and they know your computer's address, and they know your phone is linked to your computer. So no matter where you go, if you walk into a store... And they're targeting that store. Right. Your computer's going to get the ad too. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's crazy. It's all connected, and you know, one thing I confuse those algorithms on those politics because I'll check out the left, the right, libertarian, whatever, and so they'll like say you're a Republican conservative. I'm like, no. Well, I, I looked <laughs> mine up on Facebook the other day. Yeah. Because you know, my wife is a conservative, and I always consider myself to be very conservative. And according to Facebook, I'm a moderate. Really? Yeah. See, but the, the libertarian joke is a moderate, at least for the last 50, 60 years, is somebody wants a big warfare state and welfare state. <laughs> they want both. I, I, I consider it. I just can't make up my mind. <laughs> I mean, that's where I'm at. I, I went through that, and still to a degree, the sophomore phase of like, I've read, I've read the studies, I've read the books, I know everything. And I'm at a point now after a few election cycles where I honestly was burnt out on politics. Like, I can't take the daily tit-for-tat that goes on. Well, you're not... I mean, I'm almost uh, embarrassed to admit this, but I have stopped watching news. I don't watch cable news. I've stopped watching news. Um, I refuse to participate in political intercourse on Facebook because all it does is piss everybody off and nobody changes anybody's mind. Right. And there's no reason to do it. So I I just stopped. And I have a lot of friends that are vociferous oh. when it comes to their positions. And I just say, hey, can we look at some 
pic, puppy pictures or something. Right. You know, what, tell, show me a joke. Show me a, a cat falling in a box or something. What's amazing, too, I've learned with folks, especially, like, I've experienced this with my dad. I said, Dad, for the sake of argument, can't we, just the science, leave the politics out of it. I bring up climate change. And I'm not a big believer in, like, the science means it'll be this destructive doomsday. I'm like, just for the sake of it, the science seems plausible. And he starts yelling about Al Gore. I'm like, stop falling asleep to Fox News. It's ruining your sanity. And he literally falls asleep on the couch every night to Fox News. All the reruns. And nope. Uh-uh. It's meant to get your blood pressure up. It's meant to get you going. It's show business. Indeed. It is. And they're trying to do what? Sell you advertising. There it is. Well, I think we can sell advertising without the us versus them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice built-in tactic. It works. But well, I, the, the divisive tactics tend to work. They do. The Just sensation. Ask, uh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Or, or Hannity. Yeah. Very, oh, devi- Han- very divisive, both of them. Yeah, Hannity is... Uh, I'm actually like a few degrees separated from Hannity. My mom's best friend at Jeff Davis, named Jill, she is now married to Sean Hannity. And he started in Alabama, so there you go. There you go. Well, we got to hit a quick break. Come back. We'll be talking more to the one, the only, Rick Peters, the man who owns this place. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I can talk to you in a second. Joey Clark. Welcome back. Now, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. Just wrong? Nobody should do Beatles. Nobody should cover the Beatles. But this is the OJs in Nobody should cover Zeppelin. Nobody should cover the Beatles. (laughs) It's just a rule. Oh, but I love this version. (laughs) This is the album the OJs did with Gamble and Huff before they did the Backstabbers album. And this is uh, actually part of a medley. They did Little Green Apples, and then it goes into this. Is this the OJs? OJs. And it's just... I love it. No, it's just wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They're sacred. The Beatles are sacred. I'm sorry. I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. This is just wrong. Before we get into what we were talking about during the break, uh, I I guess, yeah, it was yesterday. Greg was going on the top five boy bands. The Beatles were on it. Like, the Beatles aren't a boy band. Well, they were 17 when they started, but no, yeah. they were not a boy band. But they were the lads from England. I mean, those were the guys, though, that would play house shows in Germany for eight hours straight. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. not a boy band. No, they were they were rockers. Yeah. Like, they were rockers. I wanted to clear that up with a Beatles Leather, leather pants and leather jackets. And, uh, you know, they were, they were a rough little band to start with. Well, and they kind of lured people in with the bubble gum. The, I want to hold your hand. That and, wasn't really bubble gum. That was the music of the age. True. I mean, think yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, you, you had Chuck Berry doing Maybelline, and you had Pretty Woman, and the, I mean that, and they were they were listening to rock and roll, and they were listening to ethnic radio, and they were listening to, you know, Americana. Well, it's crazy. It seemed like, and I don't think rock and roll will ever go away, but what's nuts is hip-hop and R&B overtook rock on the charts last year for the first time via streaming. Oh, yeah. But what's really cool is, in vital sales, rock is still. I think Sergeant Pepper's was the 
number one selling. That's because vinyl. all the old guys have all the money still, and the the hipsters who are twenty nine who listen to. Well, way they're much just of that, you know so. they're they're on Spotify for nine dollars a month, and they get everything they want. They got a million tracks. See, I do that. I've got Spotify. So do I. But then I still like to pick up a vinyl if I really love an album. Just for the inconvenience and difficulty. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I need a new needle. Oh, oh good. Crap, the belt's broken. See, I, I'm one of those audio files, and I have a really nice system. Um, but I've got it hooked to an iPhone through a DAC yeah. into my Macintosh. Right. And if I want to hear Rick Wakeman, 10 seconds later, I got Rick Wakeman up on the on the iPhone. You hit the button, it plays. It, it is amazing. Like, I had uh, the guy who suggested the piece of classical music that uh-huh. I used at the beginning. I think it's Mahler's number nine, and I double timed it and put all that stuff on top of it. He told me that it used to be that you couldn't find classical music to play back when it was even just CDs. Mm-hmm. You could find certain, you know, symphony orchestras playing certain pieces. But now with Spotify or Alexa or Siri, you could say, I want this specific performance. Sure. And it's right there. It's remarkable. The time It is. It's a strange new world. But this, also this age of instant information, I was telling you off air, it's the rise of the mad prophets of the social media or the airways. Everybody's so going to call out the hypocrisies and lies of the age. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's working. It just seems to feed more hypocrisies and lies for some reason. It's fun to do. I've done it. But I wanted to get your perspective because I have this limited one. I didn't even really pay attention to W. Like, I remember the Iraq War. I remember when it first started and the fireworks show they put on. But I really started to pay attention as W's leaving, that 08 election, 07, 08. And from, especially when I got into radio, I was this news junkie. And I've kind of come out of that after six years. Is it as crazy as it seems right now with your perspective of the political scene? Or are we really in uncharted waters? On one level, okay, it's kind of a two-stage answer. And I I will use 1968 as an example. If you want crazy, Mm. try try being in the SDS or the Weather Underground and protesting the Vietnam War and protesting the police brutality. and, And it was just as nuts as it is right now. Uh, we thought we had a social conscience, though. Well, wait a minute. Maybe they feel they have a social conscience now. So is it as crazy? Yes. Is it different? Absolutely. Because back then, uh, one, first of all, you only had three or four news sources. You had ABC, CBS, and NBC. You had the New York Times. You had maybe your local Miami Herald. You had, And you had AP and UPI. And that was pretty much it. Now everybody's a reporter. Mm. Everybody's a, a commentator. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody is making up fake, fake stuff. Oh, yeah. And that's where I start to get troubled. Uh, my, my point is some of it is so good that you don't realize it's fake until you dig. And I don't have time to dig. Right. You know, and so now I've just become skeptical of all of it. I'm just skeptical. In fact, I've stopped. I've just stopped. And, but... What happened is the 60s and 70s were very active politically and very active socially. And then we got into the 80s and 90s. First of all, the 80s were all about greed and making money. And, mm-hmm. and then the 90s, I'm not sure what the 90s were. <laughs> not sure exactly. <laughs> you know, the 90s is like a forgotten decade. The music sucked. Yeah. Oh, the music of the 90s is terrible. See, that's what I grew up though. That's it's terrible though. I remember all of it. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Nobody... I, don't, I don't go back to the 90s no, often. Nobody to be likes honest. it. 
And the 2000s were okay, and the 80s were okay, but the 90s was a, was a wasteland of music. And I could give you example after example. But, it, <laughs> but my point being, and now what's happened is uh, social issues are at play. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of negative uh, uh, reports about these kids protesting the guns yes. and the shooting. Yeah. They're no different than we were in 68 protesting the Vietnam War. Right. And by the way, we changed the country. Oh, absolutely. So, so don't, don't discard these kids as being just pawns and puppets. Because if they get a groundswell going, they can really institute change. Oh, I, I think so. And, you know, I, I try not to belittle the kids... Certainly not high schoolers. No, their hearts are in the right place. Well, I'm not that far removed from it, too. I feel that way Well, times. what's the old line about a young man who's not a Democrat has no heart and an old man who's not a Republican has no brains? Exactly. <laughs> or I mean, at least no money. In other, yeah, in, in, in other words, there's a time and a place. Right. And when you're idealistic and you're new and you're fresh and the world hasn't beaten you down, right. okay, be idealistic. Try to change the world. Then have a couple of kids and a mortgage, and you got a car payment, and you're worried about your boss firing you, and all of a sudden that stuff becomes a lot less important. Well, and I'm learning growing up is partly not abandoning your ideals, but you know, maybe tempering them a little bit, ease it back a little bit. It's you realize that nothing is black and white. Yes, nothing is black and white. And when anybody, and that's my, that's kind of like my set point. When somebody says this is the way it is, I go, yeah, right, okay, enough for you. Because there's, it's a, it's shades of gray. Yes, it's well, it's well, a continuum. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, "The truth is rarely pure and never simple." And my line is, "The truth is not static." Indeed, it's, which is true. Well, and it's, I mean, well, because it's always a, a give and take that somebody might have a perspective. Like if you think about people who witness some crime. You never know. Like, you could get a different story from every single person about the same event. It, you if see I'm, things differently. If I'm standing next to somebody who is shot by an AR-15 and killed, my attitude's going to change. Yeah. It, it has to. Yeah. It has to. Experience. And by the way, the older I get, the more experience I have, the more I, I pay no attention anymore. Well, and I have to say, I really was, even before I jumped into radio, I'd be the guy who'd wake up. And especially with a college schedule, I could wake up and read all the news. I could watch MSNBC, Fox, and CNN. Gee, we used Steven. to wake up and smoke a bone. Oh, wow. <laughs> that might have happened some in college, too. It was later in the day. Though. It was I the get, 70s. So. I'll get done in you know, classes and stuff. Today's a little stronger. But that's <laughs> yeah, prohibition. I, would, I, I wouldn't know. I you wouldn't know? I wouldn't okay. know. But that's prohibition. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, happened with, it happens with alcohol. Got small. It's, you know, it's like Jordan Hare Stadium. Everybody who's drinking tailgating is usually drinking beer for the most part. Mm -hmm. Maybe ten percent throwing back hard liquor. Uh, but once you draw an imaginary line around that stadium, no alcohol in here. What happens? All those people who drink beer buy real hard liquor in these tiny bottles that they can hide in their bra or hide in yep. their pocket or whatever. And that's what's happened with the uh, pot. It's tough to move, so it just gets more potent, yep. so you don't have to move as much. Well, luckily that's changing. It's the one thing our attorney general has always driven me crazy on Jeff Sessions. Oh, he's yeah, uh, he's out of touch. He's out of touch on that issue. I've I've met him. I like Jeff, and that's also the thing with yeah. politicians is, especially when you're young, you want to be able to lambast these guys, these evil sobs. Ah, blah, blah, blah. But then you meet them, and they're like they're usually charming people. 
intelligent people. There's a reason they're in office. They won a popularity contest. Uh-huh, yeah. And so it becomes tough once you get to know them to be, act like they're the evildoers doing these things. It, and I don't, I don't approach it that way anymore. I think it's more um, systems. People get caught up playing their role. Well, especially in Washington. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent enough time up there lobbying for Alabama broadcasters, and I've seen more than one congressman turn to one of their staffers and go, what's our position on this? <laughs> and I sit there and go, what? You don't know what your position is on this? And they'll go, oh, well, here's where we are. Well, and generally, my political perspective, uh, it's an essay I always come back to. It's written in the 20s by H.O. Mencken called The Politician. Mm-hmm. And he makes that same point. He, I've... Uh, damned politicians all across the country. But when you meet them, they're mostly educated and charming. All these things I just said. Uh, but he started following around this one guy running for the presidency. And at first the guy's like, I'm going to only tell the truth as I see it. But I'm only going to tell the truth, be sensible, and you know, tell people I can't promise you heaven and earth. So he goes about doing that. His other, His opponent... The other guy running for president does promise the farmers heaven and earth. You'll never go hungry. We'll never have a drought. The government will always be there. And so, now that he's down in the polls, the sensible candidate starts shilling fake stuff as well. Sure. And they go back after one of these campaign whistle stops, after you know yelling from the back platform of the train. They sit back. Now, always remember this line that the... Uh, journalists are and the party members like, don't you know you're promising people things that you can't deliver on? And the line is, the guy, the candidate, took a swig of the coffin varnish he'd kept in his flask or something like that, gulped it back, looked at him and said, on the premise of the question, I can't disagree, but uh, you're not a candidate for the presidency of the United States. I am. Gets up and leaves and his interlocutor, his aide, looks at everybody assembled and goes, the moral of the stories in politics, a man must learn to rise above principle. Or in other words, when the water reaches the upper decks, follow the rats. <laughs> I was like, there's actually some truth to this. Um, because he, he wished life was this simple moral question, moral question. Here's paint by numbers. And what I'm probably going to tell these kids in June is, yeah, there are certain things you can do to put yourself in a better position. But my biggest problem waking up in life, a lot of people in my generation was be a good boy or girl, jump through these hoops, go to college, get the degree, and then life will be great. Ugh. No. You can prepare your, yourself. Your life is great. Oh, my life is You're living a dream right now. Oh, mine is now. I mean, you have the, you have the potential to be the next Hannity. Oh, Lord. Well, I don't mean, I don't mean uh, politically. I mean, sure. you know, you, you've got a career ahead of you. I'm looking for No, you've got a career ahead of you. It's a matter of, but I guess I was naive enough to think it's going to happen like that. No. You need 10,000 hours on the air before you're any good. Exactly. You have to work towards it. And I think it's also dangerous to think, oh, once I reach a certain height in whatever industry, then I'll be all set. I'll rest on my Lord. Nah. You're not going to be happy doing that. No. And so it's a matter of, uh, I don't know, each day. Do you actually talk to people on the phone? Sometimes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see who this is. News talk here on there. Who's this? Hello? They have to push the button? Yeah. See? Sometimes they just, they breathe heavily into the phone. I've got this one caller. It just keeps creeping me out. Are you there? One more chance. No. Oh, well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, that was riveting. 
Oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, the the audience loves the sound of silence. It mm-hmm. really builds the drama and tension of what we're doing. You know what? Here. It's one of the things I say to new fledgling disc jockeys and talk hosts. I say, you know, just talking theory. What's the loudest thing on the radio station? Silence. Silence is the loudest thing on the radio station. Because new newbies want to talk all the time. they they, they got to fill every minute second of the air with their voice. Right. And you know what? Ha- you know what? All you got to do is pause. Build it. Let it simmer. That's, that's exactly how it goes. Oh, now it looks like they're back. News talk. Who's this? You're on the air? It's uh, Bo Holt of Doyle Rules. And, oh, uh, oh, Doyle Rules, Bo. Oh, you can hang up on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the other caller hung up, so I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I'll call in because I'm just thoroughly enjoying this entire interview. Uh, I tell you what, Rick, you are about as good a radio guest as you are a station operator and manager. I mean, it, it you just seem to uh, to be good at it all there. And, uh, of course, Joey's great as well. But Joey's, um, easy, Joey's easy to talk to. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, and, but, uh, and I'm not worried about what I'm going to say. So, but <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> well, no, I heard somebody call in, and since it didn't work, I was like, "Oh crap! I'll just call in and tell him hello real quick." Good yeah. to hear from you. Hey, you too. Y'all take it easy. All you right. too, Bo. Well, look at the calls pouring in. Pour, pour, just, is that pouring? Yeah, it's, it's well, it's more a drip. <laughs> it's like the itsy bitsy spider, but it's not a water spout. So, let's see this. Oh. New stock. You're on there. Hey, Joey, it's Fred. What's up, buddy? Hey, Fred. Uh, Rick, I was gonna, I was gonna post something on, uh, on another channel's website today. Uh, another one of your channels. That, that live at lunch, and I know I'm probably getting off from this. I don't know if I'm supposed to get off of this. That live at lunch thing. Yeah. I gotta tell you, man, I love it. Well, I thank you. So many live tracks I've never heard before. It, it, it's great. Uh, one thing that I would say, the one thing. Cause here I had here comes the butt. <laughs> yeah. The big well, hairy no, no, butt no, no, around the no, corner. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. no. Yeah. This is just uh, something that could possibly be added. The two greatest live albums ever recorded, in my humble opinion, are the Almond Brothers Band Live at the Fillmore yep. and Little Feet Waiting for Columbus. All right. And here. that's one thing that I never hear at any, any live Little Feet. You know what? We don't. I don't think I have any, but I can definitely dig some up. I've got about 30 more live... CDs down there that we're going through right now. We're, we're, we're up to about 600 live tracks. Ooh. And it is there's, really another, awesome. oh, there's another 500 out there, easy. Um, yeah. uh, Sky the other night played uh, a David Bowie with uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. The Let's Dance thing. Yep. And I'd never heard that before. And I'm not a big Bowie fan. I was after that. <laughs> you know, I, I thought it was awesome. Anyway, that's all I had to say. We appreciate uh, it. I really do and appreciate it. And you got it. a great guy there on, on air with uh, Joey and Yeah, we're, we're, all, I agree with you. good. Well, I appreciate that, Fred. All right. Y'all have a good night. All right, bye. Later. And, and yeah, they just come on in. I kind of, when I do this at hour, I like to sort of take it blind. I mean, stuff might happen. I've had people get really angry at me, but I've learned. Yeah. Number one, grow a thick skin. And number two, usually when somebody calls up and they're mad, they're having a bad day. Like, I usually do not say anything that's that scandalous as much as I like to think I do. We don't do, we don't do that much screening on our right. calls. We really don't. No. And I kind of We like have a great the, audience. We, you know, we really don't have to. Well, and I like the sort of mystery door. Like, line one, who's this? You're on the air. 
Hey, Joey, it's Chuck. Hey, Chuck, what's up? I just want to throw something at you and Rick. Okay. Joey, you do a darn good job every evening. Thank you, Well, sir. every day, all day. But I'll tell you, if you could take some um, pointers mm-hmm. from Rick and from Dr. Sam. Right. And I'm going to kick in. 96.1, which is your station. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I thoroughly enjoy well, thank you. listening to it when, you know, of course, when there's not talk radio on. We appreciate and it. Y'all do good, and I thank you. I, I don't think you promote, you know, your other stations like, um, you know, that really. Help well, we're running TV spots right now, and we're also running billboards that are up right now. So, you know, we're promoting them all. Uh, but and, Rick, I, I remember you when you bought uh, your wife, Jennifer, the, uh, I, let's see, how to put it, the business over on the bypass. Oh, the bar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah it almost cost, almost cost me my marriage. Yeah. We, we, uh, she we, wanted a we, gift shop, and I and bought a bar. There you go. But it didn't oh, last man. long. No, we, saw, we, we had it a year and a half and got rid of it. Mm, I don't remember that place. <laughs> that wasn't a bad idea, either. Well, it sounded good at the time. <laughs> How tough could the bar business but, be? <laughs> it's yeah. the only people that make anyway. money in bars is Budweiser, bands, and bartenders. Yep, exactly. So. That's right. Well, Chuck, but anyway, y'all do good. Well, thanks. Uh, listen to you every day, every But I, but I will in say fact, this: what we do on Kiss is easy. What Joey does, and what Greg does, and what Dan does, and what Baron does up here is difficult. Hmm. And I, I have never filled in for any of you, and I never will, because right. I'm just not going to sit over there and chat for four hours. Well, and what's and Chuck, thank you so much for the call. I really do appreciate it. it it's um, it's weird. I was talking with Baron about this. I don't get butterflies anymore. No, you shouldn't. And like, here, I mean, this hour blew by. It really does. Like, yeah. I mean, we pretty much are done. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel like at home when I sit at the radio. Mm-hmm. Like, if I go out to a party, I'm still the wallflower. Like, I can't be around crowds. So this is your alter ego. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope I don't do that too much. It's like, <laughs> oh, sorry, that was just an ironic radio thing. Sorry yeah. about that. That's not my real persona. Oh, thank God we don't have to talk like that anymore. No. Yeah, it'd be terrible. No, being, you know, the whole trick to being on the radio is being yourself and being genuine. Exactly. And, you know. You get to a certain age where you really don't give a rip. Well, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm 29 going on 55. Yeah, I think and it's happening. I, I'm double that, so. Well, and I, I was asking you for earlier this week, should I, you know, ham it up a little bit that I am born and raised? You know, not just a little slightly. You know, just, I'm, this is Joe Clark. No, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm not going to do that. You'll never get to CBS. You don't like the Bernie Sanders? You'll never be on Fox. <laughs> well, we have way too many choices in this country. We don't need Fox. We don't need MSNBC. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> Way too many choices. You need one station. Well, Rick, thank you for joining me tonight. This was fun. My pleasure. And thank you all for listening. I'll be back tomorrow night and we'll do something. We'll certainly be talking. Something. something. Oh, something. <sighs> Talk to you all then. Bye-bye.